0: Merdeka!
1: Merdeka! Merdeka! The country of Indonesia. Do they like me in Indonesia?
2: One hundred percent confident. Indonesia will prevail.
1: Hello and welcome to the Talkie Indonesia podcast. I'm your host Dave McRae from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute and today we continue our weekly series of election 2019 episodes by considering the question, will this year's elections be fair? Over the past one to two months in particular, we've seen a series of claims by political figures in Indonesia that the 2019 polls may be marked by significant irregularities. Senior political party figures and social media influencers have claimed that the electoral roll has been manipulated or could be hacked, cast doubt over the likely reliability of the vote count, and claim that the civil service and security forces are being mobilised in support of particular candidates. To discuss such claims and whether there is evidence to support them, as well as the safeguards in place for the Indonesian polls, I'm joined in this episode by two guests. From the Association for Elections and Democracy, Per Ludem, I speak to Titian Gaini, the organization's executive director. I also chatted with Dr. Fritz-Edward Siragar, a commissioner from Indonesia's Election Supervisory Board, Bawaslu. Titi, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia today.
0: Yeah, um, it's a nice opportunity, Pak David, for me to talk to uh, Talking Indonesia. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast again. And could I start by asking you... uh, over the past few months, we've seen claims in Indonesia that the electoral roll has been manipulated or could be hacked, that the police have been ordered to support Jokowi, that the vote count could be suspect, and that foreign observers are urgently needed. Um, as the head of a organisation that really specialises in elections, do you have any concerns that the 2019 elections will not be fair?
0: Well, uh, we found some of the violations conducted during the preparation of the 2019 election. For instance, state officials that not natural, and then some of the police that uh, considered to support one of the candidates. We also found the double voter list or voters that register more than one time. But I'm, uh, as a Executive Director of Perludem, still optimistic that 2019 election will run smoothly, at least from the technical things. Yeah. But it also creates a big challenge for us as a civil society to deal with the uh, big polarisation among the voters. It's not easy to convince the voters to trust the electoral process conducted by KPU and Bawaslu.
1: KPU is the Indonesian Election Commission and Bawaslu is the Elections Supervisory Board.
0: Since we have like um, opposition that the supporter of the opposition that thinks that election will be not fair. And at the same time, uh, the election organizers always get support from the voters of incumbent. So the opposition thinks that KPU is affiliated with incumbent and at the same time, the incumbent supporters thinks that the opposition supporters tries to delegitimate the election process.
1: And I mean, as you mentioned, these claims of unfairness seem primarily to have come from the Prabowo camp, the oppositional camp in the presidential election, and particularly from Islamic parties within that coalition, like the Prosperous Justice Party, PKS, and the National Mandate Party, PAN. Why do you think it has been from those parties and from the opposition side that we're seeing these claims of unfairness?
0: Actually, this, this is not the first time we face that kind of situation. Let's turn back to 2009 elections when Ibu Megawati and Pak Prabowo compete for the presidential election as one pair, candidate for president and candidate for vice president. Some of the supporters of uh, Ibu Mega and Pak Prabowo came to KPU, brought their own laptop and computer to check the validity, the accuracy of voters' list or election roll. But I think that's the common attitude of the opposition yeah to think that the election commission is unfair and then they have like opinion that the election commission will have a policy that will give the benefit or or advantage to the incumbent but the lesson learned from 2009 elections the legal mechanisms will solve or will handle all the disputes but The recent phenomena, some of the elites told the media that when they found the violation and manipulation occurred in 2019 election, they won't go to the constitutional court, but they will do the people power. I think that's the difference between 2009 election and 2019 elections.
1: It's an interesting comparison between that 2009 and 2019 poll I guess if we thought about even 2014, after the Electoral Commission, the KPU announced that Jokowi had defeated Prabowo, Prabowo both referred the case to the Constitutional Court, uh, but also brought crowds of supporters yeah. to the court uh, on the day its decision was being announced. So maybe we could see it a, a mix of the two. Um, but I mean, on that statement of people power, and I'd guess there you're referring to the statement. By senior PUN politician Amin Rice, um, when Amin Rice is making a statement like that, do you think he's primarily worried about the result of the presidential elections, or is he worried about the percentage of votes that his party PUN might get and whether it will satisfy the electoral threshold of four percent for the national legislature, the DPR?
0: You make a good stressing point. Yeah, this is not only the presidential race, but also we have legislative and presidential election at the same time. Some of my colleagues in Dem told me that not to be worried on the election day, on the presidential contestation. Why? Because she said that, you know, but it, it, that after the voters uh, went to the polling station, the political party will be busy with their own status, their own position, whether past the parliamentary threshold or not they don't have enough time to talk about the presidential candidacy or who will win the election. Well, I think maybe we can consider that situation, but or maybe the political party will use the presidential election result to raise the concern on the uh, fairness of the elections and then to question the result also to question the result of the legislative elections. But I think for Pak Amin Rais, I think he talked about both, yeah, about the legislative election and also the presidential election. For instance, based on the survey of the uh, compass, PAN is not past the parliamentary threshold, 4% of the parliamentary threshold. But yeah, yeah, you are right that uh, in 2014, there's a small riot near a constitutional court but the openness transparency and the accountability of the Mahkamah Konstitusi
1: that is the Indonesian Constitutional Court
0: in resolving the complaints it helps voters to trust the process
1: I mean, it's a good point you make that we really are in uncharted territory this time around with the presidential and the legislative elections being held on the same day for the first time. But if I were to compare 2019 again to, say, some of the earlier elections in 2014 and 2009, it still does feel like there have been more politicians, more social media influencers this time making claims that the elections are unfair. Would you agree with that? And and why do you think that has been?
0: That's a very good point, that the most different situation compared to 2009 and 2014 election. Actually, to be honest, we also face the same situation in lower uh, level yeah in a small a smaller level uh, about the uh, hoax we, we we also faced a hoax in 2009 and then in 2014 we also face hoax related to how the KPU organized the election but the difference is social media makes all the voters can access all the rumors can access all the statement from the politician. So the impact of the statement of the politician spread out widely. It's so different with 2009 and 2014 election and also Now, with the polarization, only two pairs of candidates on the presidential elections, 16 political parties, simultaneous election, we have more crowd in our election.
1: And I mean, you mentioned at the outset that your organization has seen some irregularities in the election to do with biased civil servants and people who've registered more than once to vote. If you compared them to previous elections that have been deemed to proceed fairly. Would you say those irregularities are similar to what we've seen in different years or are there more this time or fewer? How, how would they compare?
0: About the neutrality of the police, we have a big case in 2004 elections when a police head in East Java recorded in a video promoting one of the presidential candidates at that time. So we also have some cases in 2009 and also in 2014. Actually, it's like a repetition from election to election, but social media and the openness on information and access to information make it different. The different situation faced by the voters in 2014 because we don't have incumbent at that time. But in 2009, when SBY, become one of the incumbent candidates among the three pairs of candidates, we also have issues on the neutrality of the military force. So, yeah, it's like a repetition of irregularities, but with different coverage on the public.
1: It's an interesting comparison you make that in some ways the election this year may be more similar to 2009 in 2014, because it's been the 2009 and 2019 elections that have an incumbent. I guess if we look at this year's polls, what would you see as the most significant threats to the fairness of the election? Should we be looking in particular at the conduct of the Electoral Commission, the KPU? Should we be looking at the government? Or should we be looking at what the campaign teams themselves are doing and how they're running their campaigns?
0: When the legislative election overshadowed by the presidential election, all the public space filled in by the presidential discourse and the presidential information. The political party they face the dilemma. They must promote their presidential candidates, but at the same time, they must make sure to secure their own votes for their party, and also their candidacy. So based on those circumstances, I think the most aspect that contributes to the fairness of 2019 elections related to the violation and manipulation is among the political contestant and candidates. In some of the regions, the candidates, they are willing to do anything to make sure that they can win the votes for them and for their political party. You know that now we have 4% of the parliamentary thresholds. And then some of the political party that now have seats in parliament, based on the latest survey, cannot get sufficient votes to pass the 4%. So I think within the... Campaign, The last week of campaign time and then the silent period and then during the voting day, mostly the violation will happen by the political contestant.
1: What safeguards are in place for that critical period that last week and the final three days before the election when campaigning is not allowed to ensure that the elections will in fact be fair?
0: First, the openness and transparency and accountability work of the election supervision body. You know that for the 2019 election, there's a new provision in the law that at the Kabupaten-Kota level...
1: That is the city and district level, the level below provinces.
0: Bawaslu is formed permanently. And also at the polling station, each polling station will be supervised by one election supervisors that part of the structure of Bawaslu i think they must improve the quality of their appearance and their work yeah and also to invite civil society mass organization, religious organization, to get involved, to monitor and to observe the election process during the silent period. Based on my experience in 2014 elections, the silent period is very critical because the candidates, although it's a silent period, but they are not silent. They are actively approach the voters using money And sometimes they are using the big men in the village and in the community to give pressure to the voters, to give their vote to the respected candidates.
1: And I mean, you mentioned this massively expanded presence that the election supervisory board Bawaslu has with a permanent presence now at city and district level. What about civil society groups? What role are organisations like your own Perludem and other civil society groups playing to make sure that the elections are fair?
0: Compared to 2009 and 2014 election, 2019 election, we have more election monitoring organisation registered to observe and to monitor the 2019 election. Based on the recent data released by Bawaslu. There are more than 50 organizations registered as the observers for 2019 election. But as I mentioned earlier, this election is the most complex and the biggest election in Indonesian history. We have more than 809,000 polling stations across Indonesia. So although we have more than 50 election monitoring organization or election observers register to observe the election, it's still not enough to cover all the areas and all the polling stations in Indonesia. What we do in Perludem, we are focusing our work to observe the policy making process in the parliament and also in implementing body Uh, election regulations made by KPU, made by Bawaslu, is part of our work to monitor the quality of the regulation and the legal framework for the elections. But some of others, NGO, focusing to observe the voting day some others focus on to observe the election campaign finance so Indonesian election is too big if we only rely on the election local observers. So I think the initiative to increase the uh, awareness of the public, the voters to monitor and to get involved in observe the election becomes very important. And also I think the key is in the election contestant political party. If the political party is actively monitoring each other's I think we can avoid manipulation and violation. But unfortunately, they don't do that. So that's why we still need the role of election supervisory body and also civil society to safeguard our elections.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the big social media campaigns we've seen just in the last few weeks was this SOS to elections observers to come to Indonesia. (laughs) I think the hashtag was something like inner elections observers SOS. Uh, You mentioned that there's just too many polling stations for observers to to monitor. What what role will observers play in this election?
0: Well, I think the existence uh, of uh, foreign observers will not solve our problems if the request to invite them is to supervise the polling station, because I'm sure that it's too uh, expensive to deploy the observer to all of the polling station, Indonesian voting process is the most transparent and accountable voting process in the world in polling station because we give all the access to voters, to party witness, to contest contestant witness, to election supervisory officials, to monitor, to to observe and to see all the process in polling station. The problem is. The violation occurred when we transfer the votes from the polling station to the upper level, the higher level at the kecamatan or at the district. Now we have more proper instrument to supervise that process. We have election supervisory body at the district level and at the village level. We give the access for political party to assist the process at the village and district level, but the problem why we still have violations because the political party witness and political party cadre don't do their function to monitor and to supervise each other. At the lower level, the integrity of the election contestant witness is sometimes very weak, very poor. They become part of the manipulation and the violations. So I think what we need is The presence of uh, international observers won't solve our problems, Indonesian problems. What we need is to make all the structure and all the institution involved in the election function, become function, especially political party, Pak. Yeah. A political party can... <laughs> yeah, it's a utopia. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the dilemma, yeah, Pak. Yeah? The key is in the political party. So whoever you invite to come to Indonesia, but if you cannot keep the integrity of your officials at the lower level, it won't solve any problems we face.
1: Butiti, thanks so much for taking the time to share your insights with us today. It's been great.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Talking Indonesia.
1: That was Titian Graini, Executive Director of the Association for Elections and Democracy, Perludem. Next up, we have Dr. Fritz-Edward Siragar from Indonesia's Elections Supervisory Board, Bawaslu. You're listening to Talkie Indonesia. Fritz, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia today. Thank you, Matt. Could I start by asking you, throughout the 2019 election campaign, we've seen various political figures express doubts that this election will be fair. Um, have we seen any significant irregularities so far, either from the Electoral Commission, the KPU itself, or from either camp involved in the election? I mean,
2: if there is a question, is there any irregularities, what I can say that, if you complain about the result, there is a mechanism at Indonesia Constitutional Court to prove if there is a wrong with the recapitulation or the counting process. If you think there is a problem with the administrative matters, there is a Bawaslu that handling with the administrative violations. If there is a dispute between the political parties and the election commission with regards of any kind of decisions that the KPO issued, they're able to bring to Bawaslu to uh, settle it, and we handling it, and as an administrative tribunal, and if there is complaint or if there is an objection, they're only able appeal once to the administrative court, and if there is ethical complaint, they're able to bring to us or the... Also, they bring to the Ethical Hundred Council. So, the law already put mechanisms if there is a dispute about process that everybody, everybody, and able to bring the case.
1: Sure, sure. Now, one of the claims we've seen from political figures has been this idea either that the electoral roll could be hacked, possibly by hackers working overseas, or that there are millions of incorrect entries in the electoral roll. Has Boaslu looked into this at all and are you confident in the integrity of the electoral roll for the elections?
2: We have a... Yes, we have the system. The KPO has the systems about the footer list. And also there is a system also for the counting. But Do not forget that everything is still in a manual process. When you are going to the polling stations, you must start to counting the ballot one by one. After that, you must to put into the plano uh, to the recapitulation form and everybody will able to get signed copy by election official at the polling stations. There's also the same when it bring to the district and also it's bring to the city and regency level. After that, also manual process also bring to the province and it's also bring to the national level. So everything is still counting in the manual process. So every polling station we have a Bawaslu officer will be able there to record and to take a picture and also to get a copy from its polling station political parties also able to be there and even the Bawaslu has the authority to train all the political party observers that stay or observe the process and also the presidential candidate also able has the right to be at every polling station and get all the copy of the certificate of the counting and the result from every polling station. So, the manual process is still there and the legitimate and the correct and the legally bound document is from the manual process. Yes, there is a system about its polling station must submit uh, to the KPU and the KPU will uploading. So there is a uh, online everything, but the online everything is only to provide you about where you want to get its polling station and how you get the picture from the. Certificate of the accounting, but the system is doesn't give you about the number or the result about the process. So yes, there is a system that able to assist the Election Commissions, but the manual process it is there. So even though maybe I do believe maybe there are some hackers that try to hack the KPU. Even though the I know also that the KPU is try hard with the National Cyber Team try to prevent the hacker, but the manual process is the one that we always consider as the legal
1: document. So this manual process provides strong safeguards on the electoral count and on the tallying up of the vote tallies through the various stages from the polling booths and, and then up through the districts and eventually up to national level. Do those manual processes also guard against any manipulation of the list of voters?
2: About the list of the footers, yes. I think the explanation of the Minister of the Interior that this is the practice that has been started by 1952, I think, by the Minister of Interior and also by the Department of the Civil Registry. Because from the 1950 they already say, if you forget about your date of birth during that time, the Civil Registry will put their date of birth at the 1st of January and at 1970 if you forget about your date of birth it is changing to the 1st of July and after that if you remember the month but you forget about the date so just put your date of birth on 15th of July and also 31st of December so there are practice that has been used by the civil registry since 1950 to be still including in the civil registry. That's why the number is quite high during that time. So the claim is about the manipulation of the registration is has the explanation that this is not true. But if we bring that cases to the context, if we bring to the polling station, so its polling station is already being distributed through numbers and it's also related because of the civil registry then also is related to the whether that people is already being registered themselves to the civil registry and they get the uh, KTP electronic the electronic identity so both of them is able to provide the safeguard about whether there is a possibility that their food has been used or not I think even though, I am sure that the claim it is not true. But even though this is true, there are safeguards that able to block
1: this uh, practice. Do you think that Indonesians trust that the elections this year will be fair?
2: We have the survey that already conducted by Saiful Mujani Institute. And I think it's still one of the respected surveyors that from their finding, the trust for the people to Bawaslu and the KPU is still high. It's around 78 and 80. 78 is for KPU, 80 for
1: the Bawaslu. Here Fritz is quoting a March 2019 survey conducted by Saiful Mujani Research and Consulting, which found 80% of respondents felt that the Electoral Commission, KPU, was able to hold the presidential election in accordance with laws, and 78% felt that the election supervisory board, Bawaslu, was able to supervise it with only 13% saying they felt the Electoral Commission was not neutral. In a similar vein, only 4% believed a hoax that circulated that seven containers of ballot papers pre-marked for Jokowi had arrived at Jakarta's port, although around a third of respondents either didn't know or didn't answer for these last two questions.
2: So I think still people respect us from the one that uh, support Jokowi or the one that support Prabowo.
1: Finally... I mean, we've seen senior politician from the National Mandate Party, Amin Rice, say recently that he will mobilise crowds if there are irregularities in the elections. How confident are you that everyone will accept the results, both in the legislative elections and more particularly in the presidential campaign between Joko Widodo and Prabowo Subianto?
2: The law is already provide the option. If you not agree with this process, this is the office that you file your complaint. There is a time frame for everything. So if you talk about the complaint that we get from started of this process until today, there are many decisions that has been issued and the decision has been obliged by the KPU. And Bawaslu and the KPU also side by side support the process. Like for example, in the beginning of January, when there is issue about the seven containers and we are going to Tanjung Priok port with the KPU in the middle of the night even though that we know that he's hoax but we still go there in order to respond the complaint or the issues that there are seven containers ball paper at the Tanjung Priok port so we are go there so I think all issues that political parties raise has been settled so that's why that mechanism has been provided by the law in order not to let the cases build up until the end. So if all the complaint has been adjudicated and has been responded, I'm not sure, I mean, what kind of the process and still if the people still complain with the result, they're still able to go into the court until the end. So I think Indonesia democracy is already started to process become mature country where all the complaint mechanism has been provided. The election becomes one of the transparent elections in the world where you can see your voter list, you know your candidate, you know the process. And if you complain, there is a mechanism to complain. There is a timeline for every complaint that you submitted. So I think it's as part of the transparent process, people can see and people can witness that all complaint that we got, even from the copy from Bawaslu has been settled and we are respond to every complaint and also copy also respond to every complaint.
1: Fritz, I know this is a very busy time for you and you've still got a lot of work left to do before the elections are finished for this year. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your insights with us today on Talkie Indonesia.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dave.
1: That was Dr. Fritz Edward Siraga from Indonesia's Elections Supervisory Board, Bawaslu. Talkie Indonesia returns on 11 April as our weekly series of election-focused episodes continues with my co-host Dr Charlotte Setiadi. In the meantime, you can catch up on the entire Talkie Indonesia archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, or it's free to listen wherever you get your podcasts. That's all from me today. Until next time, this has been the Talkie Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.